We have to open with that, right? That's going to be our song that we open with. Uh, and we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, giving the Oscar Sprint Profile treatment, doing it a little different this time, but it's nothing we haven't done before. We're going two parts for Jordan Peele's latest, the movie Us. Uh, it's tough to just say that us or, or movie like us without following it up with movie. Good luck trying to like look up information on this movie right. by just typing in, you know, box office for us or predictions for us. You all get all week. sorts of stuff. It's terrible. All week. All week. Yeah. The, what is the money of us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried looking up pre-sale Stats ticket. For us. I tried looking up pre-sale ticket info. I was like pre-sale info for us, and I got to like the U.S. Open tennis tournament. Right. I, I swear to God, I was like, this is going to be a mess. But this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, I am co-host Mike One. This is co-host also Mike, and we're doing us, Mike. Also Mike here. Yeah, we've done a two-part OSP for Hereditary. That's probably the more recent one. Sure. But we also did it last year for Black Panther. Perhaps we did it in 2017. Oh, we did it for Star Wars The Last Jedi. We did do it for that. Yeah, we did non-spoiler, spoiler sections. So we've done it thrice. It's basically just an elongated OSP, though. And I think we're kind yeah. of just... Uh, we both have just seen this movie. This is, what, March 21st. I, the date's in front of me and I can't read it. Uh, it's March 21st. You're going to be hearing this March 22nd. That's the official opening date for us in the U.S. People have seen it. You've seen reviews and glowing words about it online. But yeah, we uh, we want to take it in probably one more time each mm-hmm. and give you our spoiler review section after we have kind of a, a sure understanding. We both think we get it, but we don't want to prognosticate too much now. So we're going to give you the non-spoiler section here. So this is pretty much a half of an OSP or at least the non-spoiler OSP section. We're going to go through box office, specs, production values, cast and crew, etc., etc., before we give you the spoiler-filled section. And I think that works on a couple levels. One, because this is a movie that merits watching more than once. Yeah, definitely. This is one of those WTFers, I think, in a little yeah. bit. And uh, I de- yeah, like you said, I want to read about it. I want to see it uh, at least once more. And then we'll break it down like we did with Hereditary, like we did with uh, Suspiria. I thought we came up with some unique takes. I know we we both, in the pre-production here, we sat down and we started talking about what we've read or yeah. what you've read. Because you got it back here before I did. Yeah. What you've read about it, what it all means. And yes, sometimes we agree with that. Like Mulholland Drive's an example right. where we kind of took Good from you know, a major theory out there and ran with it. But for Suspiria... For hereditary, we kind of came up with something totally different. So I don't know. What hereditary, come up especially, yet. yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah. Uh, you were one of the only ones out there that had that kind of. I am a weird dude. My brain, <laughs> my brain works differently than most folks, and uh, we'll see what I come up with. But I got, yeah, I got to take it in one more time. But we got non-spoilers today. Yeah, so let's talk about the non-spoiler stuff for the movie Us, Jordan Peele's second feature film. He wrote and directed it, much in the vein of Get Out. Two years after Get Out, he already won his Oscar. He's happy-go-lucky. The world is his oyster. We're going to talk about the more uh, money he got to do us, the reception of it, all that good stuff. But Mike's going to start us off, as he always does, with the cast and crew. Yeah, written and directed by Jordan Peele. He's going to be a voice in Toy Story 4 with Keegan-Michael Key. He produced Black Klansman at uh, last year's Oscars that got nominated for everything. So he's been a central figure and an attendee at the last two Academy Awards. His star has been on the rise uh, ever since, you know, Key and Peele, really. Well, I guess ever since he was in the White 
light and nerdy video with Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> yeah, that was really the kickoff to his career, for sure. Yeah, he, Forget he, Mad TV. He's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's in Big Mouth as a voice there with Nick Kroll and the guys, too. Us stars Oscar winner Lapita Nyong'o from 12 Years a Slave, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Black Panther, and Avengers Infinity War. Lupita is also in this year's upcoming Little Monsters plays two roles in this as though do most of the wilsons for sure she's adelaide and red winston duke from black panther and infinity war as well is in this he is gabe slash abraham kiddings this is the jim carrey showtime show evan alex is jason slash pluto <laughs> and from this year's lion king a voice in that shahadi Wright joseph plays zora slash umbre we have uh, the Tyler family as well, as we mentioned. You have Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale, the one I love, A Girl Interrupted. She plays Kitty Tyler. You have Tim and Eric's Tim Heidecker. Elizabeth Moss was in Girl Interrupted? She was. She was the girl with the... Cr- this is a minor spoiler. It was like the middle of the movie. But she has the big poop uh, food swans that she takes all the tinfoil, and she has like old food under her bed. She doesn't throw out You the remember the plot of Girl Interrupted? I've seen it. I've seen it like five months ago or something. Oh, all right. I just, it was on, and it's a Mangled, James Mangled movie. I kind of like James oh, Mangled Oh, all right. Movies. Cool. Good for you. Anyway, I, that was on recall for me. But yeah, there we you go. But pulled I, that I, out I, of I, nowhere. I Good for you. Anyway, we have uh, Tim Heidecker playing Josh Tyler. He's from what Tim is Girl Interrupted? No. <laughs> There's a comma in between the girl <laughs> and the interrupted. That's all I know. Mike Us also stars Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Anna Jop, Callie Sheldon, Noel Sheldon. Two twins actually mm. played the twins in this movie. They did look alike. They did look alike. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like a you know tr- trick with the camera, but they no, nah, they just used. They were just them. Yeah. <laughs> Madison Curry, Ashley McCoy, Napiera Groves, Lon Gowan, Gowan, oh, sorry, and Alan <laughs> Frazier. Mike's a couple story inception and production notes here. Not a whole lot. Hey, uh, R.L. Terry, you're kind of right. This yeah. is at. R.L. Terry 1, R.L. Terry Real View, double E's, he predicted in the Guess the Plot that this was going to be based on a Twilight Zone episode. It is actually based on the Twilight Zone episode Mirror Image from the original show, I'm assuming. I hope he just guessed that and didn't read anything ahead of time. That'd be really cool if he was just... Well, he he guessed a different episode. So that's, oh, I see. Okay, okay. So unless okay. he's really hiding the ball like George Gill gotcha. did with Well, good movie. for him then. Yeah, that would be a total guess. Uh, principal photography began July 30th, 2018. Santa Cruz, California is where they actually shot it, including the, the boardwalk and the beach there. Most of the film shot in L.A. God, can you imagine now how the flooded that place is going to be with <laughs> moviegoers and movie fans? Should be. Yeah. Should be. I mean, that's a cool little town there for sure. We have the main house being in Pasadena. Six weeks there with the cast and crew filming wrapped up in october 8th 2018 so the overall shoot went about if i could do some math it went about six months can i do math seventh no july is the seventh month of the year october is the 10th month yeah that would be three and change about three months three instead of six july august september was really two months it was the end of july (laughs) beginning of october 
two months. <laughs> you were close. Oh, it was close. Six. <laughs> Samson. That's it, though. I, other than my uh, guessing of the uh, monthage. I just like how we can work math into every single one of our episodes <laughs> and do it's it. It's very late at night. Do folks. it. Do it well. Uh, yeah, Us was written and directed for some specs by Jordan Peele. Mike told you that. Jason Blum, Ian Cooper, Sean McKittrick, and Jordan Peele all are listed producers according to Wikipedia. Michael Abels does the music, as he has for both Get Out and Detroit. Mike Giolakis is the cinematographer, as he was for It Follows and Glass, so some horror movie experience here. Nicholas Monsour, or Monsour, is the editor, as he was for Keanu and Keen Peele episodes, of course, so kind of the, the band getting back together for this one. People Jordan Peele has worked with all throughout his career here. Cool. Blumhouse, QC Entertainment, and Monkey Paw Productions are all the production companies, while Universal does the distribution, as they did for Get Out previously. Did you notice the new title card for Monkey Paw Productions? How about that title <laughs> card? That's a freaky title card when it's not like playing big music. It was like on a train or something too, and it was just the the monkey paw stirring the tea. That was a nice little that homage was there. Freaky. Yeah, uh, you all know about this part, but it had its debut on March eighth, twenty nineteen, and at South by Southwest, where Twitter exploded with positive reviews and glowing word of mouth. But it'll have its official uh, U.S. almost said us opening there today, March twenty second. It's a one hundred and sixteen minute runtime on an R rating, and it goes quick. I will say, I felt sure. like it was a really uh, efficient and economical one sixteen. Definitely. Whereas Get Out was given a low $4.5 million production budget, Us nearly quadrupled that by having a listed production budget of $20 million. 7.3 IMDb rating at last check on 2,200 plus scores. That's moving on up as it was about a 6.8 or 7 when I first checked it. Yes. Something like that. Get Out finished with a 7.7 just for frame of reference on 300,000 plus reviews. That's been rising the past week, like I said. Certified Fresh Rotten Tomato score of 94% on 183 critic scores, 172 of those being positive. The average critic score is a 7.95 out of 10, which for a studio film is awfully high. No audience score yet. Rotten Tomatoes is continuing to undergo changes in that department right now based off the troll job that people tried to do to Captain Marvel. Literally. Yeah, there's an 81 Metascore on Metacritic, and that's been rising as well the last couple days on 47 reviews. 17 of those reviews give the movie a score of an 88 or higher. Only three scores lower than a positive rating, those consisting of two 60s and one 50 right now on Metacritic. Get Out opened with a domestic box office of $33.377 million back in 2017. It eventually led to the film making $176 million domestically plus another $79 million internationally. Ended up raking in $255.4 million for the worldwide box office. Again, on a $4.5 million budget. So if you use those numbers as a means of projection, Universal, Jordan Peele, and everyone with a stake in this film should be giddy to hear that this film is projected to open as much as double that amount, depending on your source, if not more. Original projections had us opening between 35 and 40 million, according to Deadline.com, but Access Hollywood, just as of a few days ago, had cited that number to be around 50 million for its opening weekend. BoxOfficeReport.com is predicting the opening to be as high as 61 million, and if you go by Awards Watch, Eric Anderson of Awards Watch, at Awards underscore Watch, he's saying that the projections for the pre-sale, the ticket pre-sale, suggest that it could break 100 million dollars for its opening it could break 100 million dollars for its opening weekend which would be the highest opening as he says this is his tweet in his info it would be the highest opening for a live action non-sequel non-franchise non-adaptation film ever so of the truly original screenplays produced it could be the highest opening ever if it were to break the 100 million dollar barrier uh, that is some 
big, big praise and some big, big news. Let's even talk about it. Were it to do $60 million, which may be more realistic, depending. Uh, in 2018, there were 13 films that had an opening of $60 million or more. The lowest domestic box office of those is Grindelwald's $159 million domestic rake. The lowest worldwide box office of those 13 films was Halloween's quarter of a billion dollars, $253 million. So considering the positive early reviews and downright desperation for the next great horror movie and awards contender in the zeitgeist right now, you wouldn't be surprised to see that number get ridiculously high and surprisingly high. $100 million probably isn't out of the question here for this. Easy money, right? That's the thesis I would think so, yeah. at the end of the day. This is going to make its money back in its opening weekend. When it goes worldwide, it's going to be all gravy. I mean, if you, you basically take a filmmaker who can put something out for $20 million, and this is guaranteed box That's office. That's pretty much what uh, Jordan Peele, as far as the money goes, he cited that as, as a big change between making this movie and making Get Out. If he, uh, he was interviewed not too long ago on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, and Fallon asked him, amazingly asked him a relevant question, uh, <laughs> he asked him what the difference was between those two productions, and he said getting the money for this one and not worrying about studio interference. He said on the set of Get Out, he felt like he was at risk of being shut down every single day, whereas here, in the setup for this one, he knew he was going forward, he knew he could execute his vision, and he had enough money to do so without any issue. Right, so they basically totally left him alone to make, make his movie right. here. Now, this is going to be interesting because we've talked about the audience score being not something as high as Get Out, correct? Correct. With these, with these specs. Right. And, uh, you know, we're, we're going to have our opinions on the movie. Although it is, it is increasing as days go by. Yes. It's increasing. I wonder how the, this is going to be received by the masses because Get Out was kind of a crowd pleaser at the end of the day. This one is a little trickier. To, to just to, to figure out how people are going to take it. That's a good tease because if it is about and the mass audience accepts that it is about what the general consensus, at least what I've read so far, suggests the allegory for this film is about, the aim of this movie certainly is more liberal leaning than liberal aiming. Get Out was certainly more liberal aiming uh, this yeah. one, I think, is not the, that case. If that's the, going to be the general acceptance of what this is, I don't know. Is. I don't know if it's going to be an allegory at the end of the day. I don't if, either. If, yeah. You know, we'll, we'll we're, you know we'll be able to do research and be able to see it again, and that it's that it's not just that closed set of symbols, right? And hopefully it's not, because I kind of see a lot of different things just on a drive home thinking about them. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into that next episode, but for now, Mike, you know, we've gone over this plot premise to remind you really quick. It's a family serenity turns to chaos when a group of doppelgangers begins to terrorize them. We've already previewed the shit out of this movie, yeah. and we, we did a quicker profile of it today but check out that guess the plot episode thankfully we have spoiled nothing there's no sharknado i'm furious and yet we were 100 percent <laughs> accurate but mike uh, i'm curious first of all what was your theater going experience like were there a lot of people in in your theater i'll tell you uh, no, because I went to my podunk and there was, well, while Captain Marvel, we saw it on opening night, I also went to my little uh, hometown theater there. That actually turned into a packed theater. I, I expected the same. Right. Uh, it wasn't the case. There was only maybe 10 people there that were watching this and five of them all came together. Weird. So, uh, yeah, it was it was not the, the general feeling that, uh, that Captain Marvel brought me. I will say going into this, as far as my expectations and what they were, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Hereditary. 
I was debating between, you know, Halloween, Hereditary. Yep. We've kind of had these big moment, momentous horror movies come out. I would definitely lean more Hereditary for this one only because it was, you know, something of high critical acclaim, a lot of momentum online, but nobody seemed to know what the fuck this movie was. Right. All we had right now because of the, the, the press embargo was that you're going to love this. It's terrifying. It's scary. And you're going to love it. But there was no suggestion as to what the hell was going on. So I was just, as far as expectations, I just sat down and was like, what do you got, Jordan? Give it to me. And, and <laughs> what about th- you? Thankfully, I kind of did the same thing. You know, number one, I, I had a bigger crowd. Uh, you know, there was probably I went to the AMC. Sure, you and, went to more mainline theater. And yeah. it, there was probably forty people there. So that oh, was, good. That was cool. Most, but still not a packed house. Not a packed house. They had a seven thirty showing. Okay. Playing in the the fancier theater, gotcha. the Dolby Theater. So I'm guessing that one was more crowded. There was a lot of cars in the parking lot when I left. So I'm guessing that that more people went there. I probably should have done the same. I'm a little regretful of that because... Well, I've kind of forced your hand, too, because my podunk only had one showing. Oh, at seven? Yeah. Well, I did. I, yeah. But I, I kind of wanted to get back and record as fast if as I If you said 7.30, I would have said, can you make seven? <laughs> you wouldn't have done that. Never. <laughs> you know, not me. I also likened this movie and expectations to other horror films we've seen in the last few years good because i kind of went into those movies blank i mean get out is the easy example right obviously sure but it i kind of i didn't know i was just like f it you know let's go into it and if it's great i hope it's great i don't know uh and mother was the same way i going into that's interesting i was just i was like i have no idea what i'm gonna get here i know it's aronofsky it's gonna be well done even if it's puzzling as all shit like the fountain or something like that i know it's gonna be good filmmaking and i'm gonna i'm gonna enjoy it so bottom line with with all the critical scores what they were i knew it was gonna be good i'm i was glad that south by southwest really liked it yeah so i expected something good but I kind of wanted to blank my mind to whatever I was going to you know, receive because who the hell knew? Well, so what in your mind differentiated your experience with this from, say, Hereditary, which was, you know, at least a director you weren't familiar with at all? Is that the bottom line there? Was you just had more faith in Jordan Peele than you did at Ari Aster at that time? I had a trust yeah. in, in Jordan Peele. Sure. Correct. So I, I basically knew that it was going to be good and we'll just wait and see how good. You knew you were going to be led on a, a fun roller coaster yeah. instead of a choppy woody and one. You know what? I'm going to go into the next Ari Aster movie the sure. same way. Yeah, he's definitely uh, definitely gained that benefit of the doubt without question. Reason. So we got our non spoiler review here production values, performances, script thoughts, and of course our final thoughts. Mike, production values, I think they're pretty high. I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, we, we just went over expectations. Do you think these production values leaned more towards comedy or horror? Where do you think this movie was in terms of genre with the technical aspects? So, I felt the comedy of the movie, I don't know if this lends itself more to script thoughts, but it certainly could be uh, the way it was shot as well. But I, I felt like the comedy was a little, like, out of place when it was done. So it didn't flow as seamlessly as it didn't get out. Whenever there was something funny, it was like the camera stopped. Yeah. And just lingered on somebody's close-up and then there was something weird right and then that was funny or you know winston duke 
right, and Winston got... Duke was doing most of the comedic heavy lifting here. For exactly. Sure. So we'll just put the camera on Winston yeah. Duke for a while, and then he'll do something kind of goofy or daddish and and make us laugh a little bit. But you're you know you're right. I think uh, Jordan Peele when he said that this was a horror movie. Yeah, like which he tweeted his, not too long on ago on his Twitter. It felt to me like this was horror movie style. Yeah, I would I would agree with that, and I think camera. I think a, a big part of that is both in how it was shot and how it sounded. But you had a lot of the play in the cinematography, those long dark hallway. He did a lot of play with the hallway shots, a lot of play with shadows and, right. and covering up half of your face, that old horror trope. So he definitely leaned more into like the more traditional horror shooting. I would absolutely agree. I think he set us up with some traditional stuff and then he did a little bit differently. Yeah. But there's this is also not a movie with humongous jump scares and, and whatnot. Like not at all. It's, not at all. It's not you know, it's not, you know, your typical James Wan horror movie no. like the the, no. the La Llorona that we kept, we saw yet again. Yeah, we can't cover that because neither you or I are articulate enough to cover the title of that movie. There's three L's in a very short uh, span of the letters. The Spanish pronounce it Yayona. Yayona. Wow, that's brilliant. Oh, I love that. I just wish I could do it. But Michael, I, this is not one of those movies. No, not at all. And I think that's important because... Uh, there was a lot on Twitter about how this is like such a terrifying movie. It's so scary. Yeah, it is. But not in, you're right, not in the traditional, like, there was a lot of setup where I thought we were going to get jump scares that just right. kind of played out. I don't know if I was that scared. I mean, the thing is, like, I might just be ignorance is bliss right now. I might really think about this movie. I think it's, it's I think let it's it, psychologically scary. Let it set in, and yeah, and then I'm scared. But, I mean, this to me played like you know it's obvious he's obviously using horror movie techniques like you said but it played more like a thriller and a psychological thriller i would agree my brain i think at the end of the day now can we talk about what might be the best part of this in the audio and some of the score oh uh, is this an original score, first of all? Can you call it an original score? It's an adapted score. <laughs> right. Is that a thing? Can we just give it the Oscar for that new category? Best adapted score. Oh, my God. How Lo- great was that? Loonies and... <laughs> Sure I mean, that was, that was an amazing score. And the way they awesome. in, they they introduced the I Got Five on It song, they had you get used to the, I guess, orchestral version in the preview. Right. And the way they used that for the reason it was used, when it was used, I, my heart was so happy. I was like, yes! It's my favorite thing in movies Same. in the last, like, 18 months. <laughs> it really is. So, so to look forward to that, if you like the trailer as much as we did, then that's total, you know, music. That is not spoiling anything for you at all no, because I mean, you're not going to see this coming. Well, it's in the trailer, but yeah, right. you, you get you get the uh, orchestral score of I've Got Five on it. Oh, it was so well done. I was not expecting it at all. And that's kind of what Jordan Peele's doing and playing against conventions and just doing things that seem so easy and obvious, but mm-hmm. I can't remember anyone really doing them. I certainly don't remember anyone taking the hip-hop 90s song and turning it into a horror score to begin with. Like, it wasn't the preview anyway. That was a kind of a first-time thing. Sure. And then integrating it in the way he did totally blindsided me. And it wasn't yeah. scary. It wasn't, you know, ner- didn't play with my nerves at all. It was just like, this is so freaking cool. And it works on so yeah. many levels that we're at least five levels. And we're going to get into that <laughs> in the spoilers episode part due. But Mike, to finish up production values, I wonder if we're going to rewatch this movie 
and we're going to see Alfonso Cuarón's toy, the famed <laughs> toy that we saw him talk about in an interview for Roma. We're going to see that on the shelf. You know, are we going to see a ton of little things? Because I think they're there. Like, they, just the way the movie starts, with a couple video cassettes A lot of Easter egg TV, stuff, right? yeah. Uh, to me, this one feels like, why well, I want to see it again. It feels like there's going to be a hundred Easter eggs. I, I could absolutely see that being the case, certainly. And yeah. listening to a couple interviews uh, today by Jordan Peele, basically he said, it's all there for you. It's all there for you. I'm laying it. I'm laying it out there. What I mean with this movie. So go just you know figure it out. So that's what I think. A lot of the set design, production design, that's TBD for us. Would you have guessed in a million years that Jordan? I guess this goes into performance because Jordan Peele certainly has his touches and performance all over this. But would you right. have guessed that of the great new directors and certainly at least the great new horror directors that he had this capability? Was there anything to suggest this was coming from him? No, I mean, unless we knew he directed every single Key and Peele skit. Right. You know, <laughs> but, maybe then. But even then, those are all like, I guess the difference between comedy and horror could sometimes just be a difference in score and, and soundtrack. But right. still, this is such a, a unique brand and such a unique touch and a very visual autograph by him. Well, we might be getting in on the ground floor here with all these comedians and especially sketch com- co- comedians. You know, all these sketch comedy yeah. writers and performers. Like, we talked to Riley and Jeff. We talked to Nick, Nick Kocher. Nick is going to be the next great horror for, they uh, can, director. Yeah. They can <laughs> translate their work. That's a really good point. To a larger scale. I mean, it's not that far off to what J- Jordan Peele has done. No, that's a really, really good point. And that I was mean, a huge s- question I had for Nick that we couldn't get to. Right. I know. burned up the time there. but (laughs) Again, I'll take the blame for that. (laughs) But we're going to have to talk to Nick again. But bottom line is, you know, that sketch comedy background and trying to tell a story very quickly and very economically, and then you have all your goods delivered because comedy is just about delivering the laugh, delivering the laugh. You know, Jordan Peele's liken both to each other, the horror and the comedy. They're both about timing. They're both about basically ambushing your audience and with a setup and a payoff, setup and a punchline, and it fits. There's a lot of parallels there. And then if you're economical and doing it in a, in a skit or a sketch, now you can tell your scenes. I mean, how many different kind of scenes has Jordan Peele already wrote and directed as a sketch comedy writer? It's, it's, it's really something amazing, and I, again... Long ago, I was pitching the ideal that let talented people try talented things that yeah. take talent. And I think this is, there's no, you don't have to look further than Jordan Peele, Jonah Hill with mid-90s you could even talk about. If you if these guys have proven themselves in one area of entertainment, why not give them, and it, uh, get out proved. You don't need to have a huge investment, especially mm-hmm. for like Universal, for Christ's sake, or Blumhouse. Oh, yeah. Just give them a little bit of a stipend, see what they can do. And he is a, he might be the modern day Hitchcock, which is like, after two films, might be blasphemy. We could look back on that and. 15 years and I could be like think I was smoking something but right now the guy is on fire he's on fire and he's two for two and yeah we're, we're gonna like this movie at the end of the day yeah I will say some things upon first watched bothered me 10 times as much as anything bothered me in from get out I think that's important to say too and you know you don't want to just compare it only to get out o- over and over again but yeah. one it is the only frame of reference we have for Jordan Peele's horror work obviously yeah. uh, and and Two, this isn't a perfect movie by any means. It's not a perfect horror movie. It's not a perfect horror comedy, if it even is a horror comedy. There are some blights with it. Yeah. Now, that being said, if we do find Alfonso Cuarón's favorite toy <laughs> in, in his shot from you know the first act there, 
and then it means something about, about how Alfonso Caron is, you know, links to the wall. It's the Mexico, fall of man. And yeah. how that involves a metaphor, and then there's something biblical yeah. involved there. Obviously, if that all connects. Oh, there's something biblical involved. <laughs> you know, if we explain away some of the, uh, the issues that we've talked about. Right, if they're intentional or if they were done with purpose, sure, that could yeah. absolutely change Before the these microphones came on, we talked about a few issues. We're going to talk about them in spoilers. You, you, you hit it on the head. This is not a perfect movie, but at least it's on the level of a, a really strong oh, Oscars movie of a it's absolutely an Oscars movie and it's maybe one of the best horror movies we've had in since like it's definitely in the vein of the get outs the it follows those right. those new wave quote unquote horror movies that are kind of reintroducing and reshaping the genre uh, talking more about performances though mm-hmm. I don't want to kind of leave the subject yet without giving obviously Lupita Nyong'o she's going to be a best actress candidate right oh, all year it's long so, it's so good there's so much there obviously she has a lot to play because there's two characters. I would give the entire cast, at least those four main, maybe others, uh, that kind of respect, too. Because I think they yep. all had a mighty task in front of them with playing so diversely separate pieces. Which, again, isn't a spoiler. You see as much in the, in the trailer for it. Uh, really did a great job all around. Capable actors. Yeah. And they, the two finds with the kids. The kids are great. Absolutely. Ab- oh, my all, God, the all daughter. The all the kids. <laughs> all the kids in this movie are phenomenal act- actors and actresses. They they crushed it, and that is so hard to do. He, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you have an eye for it in the casting. You mentioned it before. Casting directors should get nominated at the Oscars. And, and let me tell you, we are have yet to review Pet Cemetery 1989, <laughs> but if you want to Diverse, the diversity oh, of what child actors can and shouldn't do. Yeah, these, <laughs> Watch this and watch that. These are the perfect two ends of the spectrum for that point. My God. Excellent. And yeah, these kids are great, number one. And that could have ru- totally ruined the Absolutely. movie. If you had anybody. And you're asking like a, a lot of them. Right. Of the kids, but of all four especially, you're asking a ton of them to be able to pull this off. Um, I will never not believe that Winston Duke is the Jordan Peele conduit in this movie because I was hearing Jordan Peele and his screams and stuff throughout this. I really enjoyed that. And <laughs> yeah, going ham with both roles yeah. was fun. And it was funny like when they, they really went for it. So that was Absolutely. some of the comedy too. Like just these characters being so bizarre with the doppelganger. And then I, I thought the reactions are very cool to the doppelgangers like the real family reacting to the doppelgangers it almost felt like david lynchian it almost Ooh. felt like a how hartley you know reaction sure. it's very deadpan it's very all right we're in this shit now let's go <laughs> which was cool i mean it's it's just a cool choice like of course we're we're in a fight for our lives right you know right after the shock happens we all know it's going to happen right Bottom line, right after they get into it, then they're, all right, that's the reaction to it. So I thought that was awesome. And that's kind of made the new wave of horror, one of at least the aspects that's kind of made the new wave of horror what it is and why it's so unique. Because for what, 25, 35 years, we had these protagonists that were always scared out of their wits and always at a disadvantage and they were always easily overpowered. It's not the case anymore. Right, it, and it's, it's certainly thank, not the case in this movie. It's thankfully not the case. Right. Because, yes, vulnerability is important. Agree. It's very important. You, you have to make the monsters mm-hmm. uh, much scary. more... Yeah. They have to be scary. They have to yeah. be scary. So that, therefore, you have to tip the scales mm-hmm. against your protagonist, but at the same time, give them a ton of agency. You don't need to be running away from Jason for 90 minutes yeah. anymore. It doesn't have to be the girl at the end right. of Halloween 4. Exactly. 
That's a great that point. She can't even freaking walk. Ooh. <laughs> just a bag of jelly or Suspiria 1970, yeah. whatever the fuck. Great point. Was. Just can't. She's supposed to be this world class dancer, <laughs> and she can't even stand and fight a bird. Yes, I you agree. You and I can fight birds, and we are terrible. <laughs> on athletes. my right, maybe not my left anymore. But again, I I just want to sing the praises one more time. I think Lapita is, and the way we kind of overlooked, or he at least was overlooked as as at whole by the awards community, what James McAvoy did in Glass. I would say Lupita is should be put on a pedestal for sign, kind of those same traits, yeah, and maybe even more so because she had to go so in depth into both characters because the two leads of this movie are her, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Best actress, you know, lead actress territory for sure. Leader in the clubhouse right now by a mile. Yeah, by a mile right now. I mean, obviously. I mean, it's March. We'll see. Yeah, it's yeah. March. You got a lot more time uh, to come. But I, I would be surprised if she wasn't at least in the conversation up until award season. So here's a major question for you Where does this rank on the Tony Collette scale? The horror movie scale is to. to I mean, she you. gets bonus points because it is such a vastly different. But you could also make the argument that Tony Collette was playing two different roles too, right? Sure. So I, 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 I was just blown away by Tony Collette. I think it might be one of the best performances I've seen in movies. Period. I know I'm biased in that way. This is up there, certainly for any genre. So if Tony Collette's like a 94. This is like a 90 or an 89. Yeah, or something that's like probably that. fair yeah, to say. That's without probably. question. I mean, we're gonna rewatch it. Maybe we'll notice a hundred sure. more things, and we're like, Lupita, you are the master. <laughs> but for sure, I think it's it's on the level with one of the better performances we've seen in a while. And I wonder if there's gonna be any momentum for any of the other characters because I could see there being supporting love. If this movie really captures the. Uh, the, the hearts and minds of everybody in the Listen, academy. If Elizabeth Moss could doesn't be. have a whole new career as a horror uh, person, let's say, yeah. without giving anything away, that's a missed opportunity right. because she could be very uh, adjectives. Yeah. Her smell as well. For everybody, that's a movie title. That's a movie title. Good. A movie okay. title of her. She's in that movie. Her, her natural smell. body odor. Yeah. When we review that on an upcoming MMO Weekly, we like to time these uh, reviews for the, when when they're released on uh, DVD. Yeah. But I did catch that, and she's a, just crazy in that movie. I think we have to rewatch Girl Interrupted too now. Just so we I- do, we do a retrospective <laughs> coming soon on just Girl the Elizabeth Mossography. She you know, takes uh, poop, or is it poop or food? I, I don't, don't remember. Rem- Remember this. I think it's old food. Okay. But it might be her own poop because she's pretty crazy. I get those confused myself all the Puts time. Puts <laughs> it underneath her bed. I don't remember that. I have like vague recollections In of it. In tinfoil like animals. All right. Like well. a tinfoil bunny is her poop under her bed. She didn't do that in this movie. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> I should have remembered Girl Interrupted when I guessed the plot and I would have Just worked that in. But I wouldn't have had any idea what you were talking about. <laughs> but, like why is Elizabeth Moss playing with her poop right. here, Mike? I'm kind of building towards an Oscar lens though on you, Mike, because yeah. I'm thinking, you know, do any of the, the rest of this ensemble get, get some love at the end of the day? I don't know. I, right now, certainly, because, again, we're just so desperate to have something that we can all fawn over. Mm-hmm. If I had to place my bets, I would say, I, I think you're going to get some love for Winston Duke. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to get some love for the kids. I My guess would be Elizabeth Moss, if anyone. If anyone else. Yeah, Best but I, I don't think it'll be long-lasting. So it'll be Lupita Nyong'o is probably a top tenner, no doubt. Yeah. 
and then Elizabeth Moss is probably maybe an honorable mention. Yeah. Top 20. You know, yeah. Based, based on what we've seen the last two years. Sure. That's right. kind of where I'm falling to. Like, yeah, that's what you think they're Lupita yeah. will be contending for a nom, and we'll see what happens with Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. As far as, like, ranking, I guess this could bleed into script thoughts as well, even though we've touched on them throughout. As far as ranking what I think is possible or most likely in terms of an Oscar for this, I would put Lupita 1. I would put the script or the screenplay as original screenplay. I think it's going to be a high mark and something we talk about. We're going to have to watch that Twilight Zone episode now because what if it's an adapted screenplay? That's a really good point. I hadn't thought of that because I, I, would, no idea. Think, I would think it's listed as an original. It's listed on IMDb right now as just Jordan Peele, not an adaptation of or a reference to. Mm-hmm. But that opens the door if it is borrowing too much from the Twilight Zone episode for them to sue him. Except CBS just hired Jordan Peele as the new host of the Twilight Zone reboot. So would it be just Jordan Peele suing himself? Which in and of itself could be a Twilight Zone episode. Or the (laughs) ultimate allegory of this movie. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think we solved it here. So that's our spoiler section. That's the spoiler. (laughs) The preview. Uh, What do you think about the screenplay? Let's assume it is an original screenplay. Well, some of the things that bothered me were basically written down on the page, you know, because they they progress. I don't disagree. Yeah. So bottom line is I I have to rewatch it. I have to like check off those boxes. Does the does it bother me in the second watch? Does if it still bothers me, then I will come to you tomorrow and you know within in our spoiler section i'll say all right maybe this script is not you know that surefire original screenplay contender like we yeah uh, with that i could probably be talked into jordan peele's directorial effort being higher rated than the script i think that's very fair there are some issues that had to be on the page we would assume anyway mm-hmm. so yeah i think that's a fair assessment i don't disagree with that at all this allegory if it is one is super duper ambitious let's just oh say. yeah oh yeah so does that land on people like i don't I don't entirely get it as of now. You know, we had to... I don't think either of us do. Yeah, I don't think either of us We had to read a few articles. You know, you had to read a few articles and then tell me the highlights of those articles before I'm like, what? Yeah. And then... I'll be honest. I left the the theater. It was me and a couple other people and we were all like, wait a minute, but... (laughs) Why does this matter if that ha- We were confused. It wasn't outright, oh my God, what a great... Right. So these people on film Twitter, they must all just be smarter than us that are just, he's a genius, oh my God, I can't believe the message. I certainly didn't leave the theater with that notion, at least not on the first time. Exactly. So, I mean, and that's, I think that's a good non-spoiler point. Yeah, for I, I don't, everybody and I don't audience. think that's a bad thing either. I right. really don't think when a film leaves you with more questions than answers, that's necessarily equates to it being a problem. I think he's a fan of Kubrick. I think he's of that oh, you think so? To leave you. <laughs> and and to, honestly, this movie felt more like a Kubrick yeah. horror film. It felt like a really good director making a horror movie yeah. and a really good storyteller making a horror movie than it is like the guy who has 20 horror movies right. on his resume making Agree. another one. Agree. Uh, I just want to make the bigger point too. 2019, man. Look, I know 2018, we're going to brag about the depth of it and we're just off the heels of it and we're right. kind of a letdown of reward season, but this is the first shot across the bow in award season and we still have the Tarantinos, the Scorseses, the Ryan Johnsons of the world to come. I'm, this sets the table up beautifully, I think. I do I do think this mm. should contend for at least one all year long, probably more. 
I'm hoping we get Greta Gerwig and Jordan Peele back. Greta in Gerwig, the, yeah, couldn't you know, yeah. back in the best director and best that'd be fun. Like that'd be fun too. That would, Although that we did just cool. see what happened with Damon Chazelle and Barry Jenkins. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like original <laughs> screenplay, you can get boxed out pretty easily mm-hmm. by the new people. Like, yeah, for, to the to the Academy. You know, the, all right, this is the new screenwriter that we sh- have to especially celebrate. especially the writer director that the Academy doesn't want to give the crown of the directing category to yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? They usually get bumped down to the screen. All that so. being said, we thought it was going to be Bo Burnham last year. Right. And it wasn't. So who the hell knows? Voting bodies Not are us. weird. And so are... Scott Feinberg and nobody else. Right. That's Scott who knows. Feinberg knows. We <laughs> Although, if you, cut, if you take that last sentence where you cutting off me, it sounded like I called Scott Feinberg weird. No. No, he's a god. Yeah, he's a god. <laughs> but, but we got that on tape. <laughs> Yeah, so that's probably the uh, the long and the short of the non-spoiler section all we got for you. We certainly want to know your thoughts, even if you haven't seen the movie yet. Ideally, if you're listening to this at this point, uh, you at least are fresh off watching it or haven't yet taken the dive. I think as far as a watch, don't watch. We'd both say it's definitely worth your time. It just be warned, you may need to see it more than once. Definitely a watch. And if you're like afraid of all horror movies, I think you still watch this one. Like I said, this is more psychological thriller area for me than it is I would sca- a movie that just scared the shit out of me. Not at all. No, I would absolutely co-sign. As far as jump scares, they just aren't there, maybe save one. But yeah, absolutely a watch from both of us, but nonetheless, do you plan on seeing it opening weekend? Do you plan on seeing it if you've seen it already more than once? I think those are the two main questions we kind of want to know from you. Mm. You could reach out to us, comment on us, and who knows? We love, we've been putting a lot of your guys' comments and questions in MMO Weekly lately, so that's kind of something we're going to keep up doing as long as we have the material to do it. So certainly reach out to us. Uh, We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, Mike, Mike, and Oscar.com, and and on Reddit, we are available everywhere you do hear podcasts. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, etc., etc. Uh, Michael, I don't know if you should be cryptic because it's a horror movie or if you want to talk about the rabbits, George, or let's have some words of wisdom here. There are rabbits in this movie. That's not my <laughs> words of wisdom, but I definitely predicted lots of rabbits. Mm-hmm. And I got that right. You did. You nailed that. In terms of words of wisdom, it's simple. My, after my first viewing, I'm coming away loving that orchestral score oh my God. so much so, so good do more of that please yeah do more of that let's let's take these classic songs from the 90s the 80s whatever you want to call them take all my favorite songs and make horror movie orchestral scores with them yes yeah, i absolutely agree with that that's those very fine words of wisdom to end on guys we will see you hopefully tomorrow probably tomorrow with the spoiler section and the spoiler review for jordan peele's us until then We'll check you out next time.